Hey there, and welcome to the Infinite Energy Podcast with Kay and Shai. We're so glad you're here for an exciting episode that where we're interviewing Grant Denton, a TEDx Reno speaker from 2022, and he's going to share with us a little bit about that journey and what it was like for him. Hi, we're sisters Kay and Shai, and we're the hosts of the Infinite Energy Podcast. We believe that everyone has the power to live a more energized, optimistic, and fulfilling life. In every episode, we share tips and techniques for harnessing your own power and creating the life you deserve. Get ready to ignite and discover the limitless power of Infinite Infinite Energy. Friends, family, fellow Infinite Energy Seekers, we have a very exciting special edition of the podcast today sponsored by PBS Reno and TEDxReno. Shyla and I are having the privilege of getting to host the PBS Watch Party for the upcoming TEDxReno event, and we hope that you come and join us there. But in celebration, today we are joined by one of last year's TEDxReno speakers, who we actually had the privilege of even getting to help craft their speech along the way as part of the speaker prep committee. We are joined today by Grant Denton. Grant, it's so nice to have you. Nice to be had. (laughs) (laughs) Great to be here. Yep. We're so glad you're here. And and we know that you went through this process last year of preparing a TEDx speech. Now, are you regularly a speaker? Is this something that you regularly do? Um, Yes, but here's the gig is I usually just freestyle stuff and get up and say whatever and just roll with it. And there's none of that there. It, and I, and so when I, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it, 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 yeah, I speak, but not like that. <laughs> so, so there was a real challenge for you. Oh yeah. Well, it's, and, and that's it too. Is like you take, you have an idea, right? And you, you have to take, and I don't know if you guys remember my, when I first came in and they were like, you know, it's kind of like a bunch of train tracks and there's a lot of things, a lot of ideas. And I was going to a lot of different places and, um, but that's what you guys really helped with was to be able to hone it in and to be able to make it make sense and come full circle. And yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah. Was the experience beneficial for you? Do you feel like you grew as a speaker through that process? Absolutely. You know, especially when I, you know, I was with you guys and we were able to break it down to three ideas. Let's number it. Let's boom, boom, boom. And, uh, and I, you know, and I speak how I think and I'm all over the place in my head. So it was, it was good to be able to like to, uh, to iron it out and bring it to a specific point. And there's a call to action too at the end. It like really, uh, no, it was great. Yeah. The discipline of bringing that together, I'm sure was a challenge. How did you bring energy to a process that was this challenging? Bring, um, well, cause you know what you want to say, right? You have your vision, you know, the message you want to get across. It's like, but how do you articulate that? And how do you make it make sense for a broader group? Right? Because you can, you know, I can tell my friends some stuff and they'll make it, they'll understand it, but how do you make it make sense to everybody? And that, that was the gig. And I think bringing, the energy, I think the energy comes from your passion about what you're talking about or what you, the message you want to send. Like, um, and that's all passion is. Passion is just crazy energy, right? When you really give a crap about what you're saying or what you're doing, that's what makes you wake up in the morning. That's what makes you go. And I remember like preparing for it and tuning it up and there would be like 
hours and hours of writing and throwing and writing and throwing and writing and throwing and scratching and racing and deleting and adding and all the things. And then, but then, you know, but you need that, you need that. And, and what, what keeps you doing it is because you know, you got a message to send. You just want to send it right. And there's this idea of what the outcome's going to be, do you know? And the outcome's going to be that, that people, you know, people take it and they run with it and you, you know, share and share an idea that may, 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 maybe tweak, uh, culture just a little bit right in that whatever whatever subject you're trying to share yes yeah of course so ted, ted and tedx of course is all about sharing one big idea right for lots of us that big idea is way too huge to share in 12 minutes right the scope of the issue the depth of the challenges the ideas for solutions and and you came at a, a topic that is pretty ambitious solve homelessness so that's what you tried to chew off in 12 minutes with your TEDx talk. Uh, that was the passion and the energy that was driving you. The process of getting through what you were going to deliver in that 12 minutes. How did you decide what was going to be the most impactful message to deliver in order to solve homelessness or come across your big idea? Well, it was, um, in, you know, you do that's that's what I work in right now. So so we work in homelessness, addiction, mental illness, and it's geared around um, it, I looked at, I did research on other, um, other Ted talks that were geared towards homelessness. And then, and then what we know out here and what we've experienced and something that's never been touched on was how do you help without doing damage? Cause you can do that. You can help and we can do damage by, by how we help. And so it was just addressing, um, ad ad addressing the unintended consequences of helping in the wrong direction. I haven't heard anybody talk about that yet. And I've, and it's something that we are seeing big, big time, you know, out in the, in the camps and on the streets and it's, and it's so, yeah, that's how I, well, here's what was so innovative about Grant. Your approach here is right. You, I want to solve homelessness. Well, that's on a lot of people's hearts, right? Mm -hmm. So getting drilling down into what is already out there, what has been presented and then landing on a message that was not shared yet. at certainly not at this level, this well articulated from the stage is showing, right? Almost 30,000 views. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a first year with the TEDx talk and it's gaining a lot of traction, right? And within yeah. the community of people saying, this is a new way to look at it, which is the power of TEDx, right? A new idea shedding light on maybe an old passion for a lot of people. Yeah. And it really, and that's what we're using it because the, the idea, and I think when you say homelessness, it's a broad stroke, right? And so your idea of homelessness is different than what I see. And there's different reasons and there's different types and there's different avenues in and different avenues out. There's situational, there's behavioral, there's all the things. And so what can anybody start chipping away at do you know what can somebody do right now to start chipping away at um you know at solving this issue and of course you know like you know, i don't think that you'll ever ever be able to end homelessness right but the idea is that um you know, as long as there's addiction, as long as there's mental illness, as long as there's situational problems, right? And, you know, we have to hold space for these things. But the idea is that we have nets, right? To where when somebody does fall into homelessness, that we're able to catch them and move them out of there quickly or be able to have a system, you know, what they would call a ecosystem of tiered mobility to where we're being, we, and it, that's not linear, right? Based on somebody's capabilities or what are their issues? How did they get there? And so that we're able to move them out. That's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of stuff. And so I think the idea is that we send a message, 
deliver a message that where people can help on a small scale from where they're at with what they have. Make sense? Absolutely. It does make sense. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful to hear your passion around the subject, which was the key that you brought forward when, when I asked, you know, how do you create energy? And you said, you bring your passion, you want to do your best for it. And we know that passion really becomes infinite when it's personal, right? And it's that personal passion. And oftentimes personal passion is built by personal experience and story. So getting to the place of being on the stage at TEDx, uh, uh, tell us how, what's the journey that took you to being qualified to talking about ending homelessness? Um, I, so my own personal journey, here's the gig is if you work in this industry, if you're working with folks on the streets or that are addicted or that are, you know, suffering from mental illness. And a lot of times when it comes to addiction and mental illness, it's a chicken or the egg thing, right? Sometimes we have a mental illness and we're, and we're, um, we're self-medicating with drugs, or sometimes we've done you know, we've been doing drugs for so long because it's, this is how we cope with trauma and our things. And we have a maladaptive response to the world around us. And so this is the best we can do. And then we create a mental illness, do you know? And so whatever the case is, is when you, when you're working in this industry, like you have to believe, right. Or else you won't do well. You have to believe that there's something in everybody, right. That there's something in there or else why would we do what we do? If we don't believe that people can change. Why would we do it? And at some point everybody bet against me and didn't believe in me, but somebody did, do you know? And I think it's important that, uh, like what drives me is knowing that we can do better and knowing that we haven't tried our best. We haven't, you know, there's this idea and you know, it's that this, you know, you remember baby Jessica, Baby Jessica fell in the well. No. The whole country shuts down. I want you to look it up. Look up baby Jessica. You know what I'm saying? Baby Jessica falls in a well. The whole country shuts down. I mean, the whole village, the whole town that she uh, fell in the well, that starts. I mean, they, there's national news. They're trying to get this kid out of the well. She's been in there for days. They're sending food down. They finally get this baby out. I mean, I'm talking the whole town shut down national news. And why is that? Why did a whole town shut down? because for this baby, right? The baby hasn't lifted one fat finger to help anybody, right? It doesn't have any friends or money or property or power, but we put all this energy into getting this baby out. We shut a whole town down and the whole national news. And it's because this baby has intrinsic value without doing anything. This baby carries value, right? And it's what could this baby potentially be, right? And, and, and it's the same thing with uh, homeless and addicted folks, right? If a, and Right now, it seems like if a homeless and addicted person were to fall in a well, we would just walk over it and maybe drop some food down it. We, but, if, but if we knew the value that these people potentially had, the intrinsic value, without doing anything, you, have, you don't have to do anything, you carry value. And I think that's, that's what drives me, is knowing that you can create better people. You know, we don't just have a responsibility to homeless person or an addict we have a responsibility to a community do you know it's important yeah. yeah fascinating perspectives and such important topics here we hope you'll join us for the second segment here with grant denton uh, and we'll hear from our sponsors next
It is so fun to have this episode sponsored by PBS Reno and TEDx Reno. We are so excited to be the co-hosts of the TEDx Reno watch party happening at PBS Reno. And if you are here in the northern Nevada area on February 4th, the TEDx event is going down at the National Automobile Museum, or you can check that watch party and live stream it with Shyla and I. Either way, we hope you'll attend. You can find out more by visiting TEDxReno.org, and we hope to see you there. Do you find yourself losing control of your scroll on social media? If you do, then you want to stay tuned to join the Simply Social Club with Kay and I. We've got an awesome challenge for you where you have the opportunity to detox from social media for 48 hours, seven days, 14, or even 31 days right along Shyla and I. So go to kandshy.com slash simply social and find out a little bit more and hopefully you'll take a pledge alongside us. We'll see you in 2023. See you in the club. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Grant, we're so excited to be here with you as we're talking to a TEDx Reno speaker. You got to grace the stage last year and talk about your big idea from a brand new perspective that Shyla and I actually hadn't heard before. And this was the idea that there are ways to help, but there are also ways to hurt when it comes to helping homeless individuals. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So w- one thing from working in the you know, we started Karma Box Out. It's a grassroots community effort. There's, you know, we put these pantry boxes all over the community and people would put non-perishable foods, hygiene items. And it's not just for the homeless, it's for anybody that's in need, right? It has this reciprocal relationship between the givers and the people that need stuff at the moment. And, um, but then when we turned it into a nonprofit, I was just doing outreach in the, uh, you know, right across from Broadhead Park under Wells Bridge. And it was during the, COVID and it was the CDC said that people you know, have to shelter in place and you, and so you can't move folks. Right. So when somebody sets a tent up somewhere, you got to leave them there because if they were to move, it could cause a bigger spread. Right. And that's what was the gig. And so this camp, um, got really huge, right. It got big. And, and, um, and while we're working in that camp doing outreach, um, we identified a lot of things, right? And I was, we were able to learn stuff about how people give and know that like, this is how I would give before, right? There's, is, we would notice, um, you know, when folks would bring out clothes and things like that, that it would, it, you know, that the clothes that they have would, it would just pile on top of the clothes that they already have because we're not doing laundry. And so it would create this mass, you know, piles of clothes and blankets. And then from the clothes and blankets, then you have the things people would come out and this is the other, but people come out and just bring out mattresses and, and it's almost to where it was like illegal dumping almost. And, and then folks would come out and, and food and the food. And there was a lot of food, right? So much food. In fact, that people wouldn't leave the camp. I remember a guy would came up to me. He's like, Hey man, you got anything to eat? I'm like, dude, no, you could follow me. I can take you to the gospel mission. They give out bags, you know, uh, lunch bags there. And he was like, ah, I'm cool. I'll 
I'll just stay, you know? And so there was, there were three things that we noticed from the volume of trash that was picked up, um, which was about 80 yards a week that we took out of there. And if you about, you know, compare that to how many people were there, it was about, it was about 44 yards of, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Um, the average American produces 10 pounds of trash per person per week. Um, we're five to seven. My house is about 10. <laughs> um, but, uh, but out there they were producing about, um, it was about 40 pounds of trash per person per week. And that's just what they're throwing away. That's not the stuff that we're hoarding. And why is that? And it was because people kept bringing things out, setting up banquet tables, bringing food out. And, and it was, it wasn't, there wasn't a, it wasn't a need thing. It was just, they were just bringing it out, you know, and, and when you're in a sense of when, you, when you're living in poverty, there's a sense of scarcity. And when you're on the streets, everything is currency. So you're going to take as much as you can get. And it just caused this issue with trash, hoarding, deflation, a psychological drive. I'm not saying that you shouldn't help. I understand the harm reduction model. Like if someone's hungry, feed them. Or show them where to go, right? Or show them where to go to get food because it's better to help somebody with self-efficacy than it is to just give the things. Um, but so it just caused this, it caused a bigger problem, right? For the cleanups and for other folks. And it also created this, you know, this situation where people just didn't want to go. And the idea is that we, you know, is that we move folks to the next phase, right? Because I mean, being homeless isn't the greatest way of living and, you know, and, and for that individual or the community, does that make sense? And so it was, uh, we were just able to identify some things that I wanted to share with folks that, cause some people really want to help. They just don't know the unintended consequences of what happens sometimes when we help in the wrong direction, you know? That's so beautiful. And I know as experiencing it, you know, even third, third, fourth time hearing you talk about this, you get that feeling inside of, I'm sure as every watcher and listener is right now, like I've been the person who's taken food, I've given money. And I know that in one sense, you feed the person who's hungry now, in the other sense, we're, we're enabling sort of a, a behavior, a non-behavior change. And so then, then that frustration comes, that energy comes, that friction comes of then what do I do? Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about is what you're doing with karma box, right. And what you're doing with your advocacy. You were recently at a conference, right. Where you were talking about doing some of these changes. What, what can people do and what is the outreach pro, uh, community at large doing to help address the issue? So you, you don't want to shut down the giving. It's a bad idea. You want people, you want to plant these seeds of civic responsibility that people have a role in the community. So you can't like take away giving. We just have to do it properly. And I think that like, um, um, first you have to like, what do you want to do? Like, what's the gig? Why you're helping someone to do what? Because we can either, we can help someone to stay successfully homeless, or we can help somebody off the streets and, and it's difficult to help someone off the streets. There's a lot going on. Like, you know, is it mental? Do they have mental illness? Is it some sort of addiction that they have? Is it, um, is it, and of course there's trauma involved and of course there's all the things. And so it takes a lot, you know, to get someone off the streets. We've, you know, we work operating at the safe camp. Now it takes anywhere from six months to sometimes a year based on each individual's gig. Some people don't even know where they were born at. 
Some folks don't know who their parents can't remember their parents' names. We got guys that are that are in their 60s that have been homeless since they were 19 and can't remember where they came from. This is very real. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes goes in while you're addressing, you address now trauma, and then we have to address past trauma. And then we have to, there's a lot going on. You do the best you can and it takes a lot of work. So if you want to help. If the goal is to help get someone off the streets, then you work with people that are already getting people off the streets. You volunteer or you donate monetary, you donate your time. Time is important, right? Or you go to, if you want to help, you know, with, uh, with food insecurities, then you help places that are already helping food insecurities. One thing we run into and it's, you know, how do you solve Cause it's all about collaboration, right? So one thing we run into is, uh, if folks want to help, a food insecurities issue. And a lot of times we just end up helping with a food options issue. And what that looks like is sometimes we'll have folks that come out and it's good, right? It's cool that you don't have to eat the, you know, cause it's the, we do get the same food every time. Right. And it does get, you know, kind of, cause I eat it too. You know, <laughs> I love the sloppy Joe's, but I'm not real fond of the uh, pasta. Do you know, it's weird mm -hmm. gig, but, it, but the, the thing is, is that like a lot of times folks will come down by the shelter and they'll set up tables and they'll serve food and that's cool. But that also means that we have to throw away food that was made for them. So how do you like, so at the same time, we're solving a food options problem. We're also creating an issue with, with wasting food. So how do you get ahead of that? And that would be a collaboration thing. Do you know, it'd be like working with Catholic charities, you know, helping them in the kitchen. They set it up to where you can go in the kitchen and you can use their kitchen to cook there. It'd be where it would be coordinating with Washoe County. They have a whole department just for volunteering because people want to help and you want to feel like you have a role in stuff, but we just got to be mindful of, uh, you know, the logistics of our energy. If we're, if you're going to use your energy towards something, make it make sense. Stretch that stuff out, yeah. Do you, you know, just stretch it out, make it make sense. So, yeah. Like it reminds me of the, the age old saying that you can feed a man a fish or you can teach a man a fish, mm -hmm. right? And you feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. But a teachable spirit for the other individual isn't something that's always present in the layers of addiction, in the layers of mental illness, in the layers of trauma. And I think that there's a societal tendency to dehumanize homeless people and forget that they like everyone else are incredibly complex, psychologically driven human beings that have patterns and traumas and hurts and thoughts and emotions, and not sometimes, but all the time, 24 seven. And, and that the, the fixing of their problem goes so much more beyond a single meal, that there's so much more that we can do when we not only help uh, to teach them to fish, but get them even to the point of being willing to learn. Yeah. And and that's that. And, and so it's, you have willing and able, right? You have the willing and able. Those are really easy to work with. You have the willing and unable, right? And then you have the unwilling, but able, right? And mm -hmm. then you have your unwilling, unable. And so there's like, and you got to identify who you're, who you're working with and what, like, you know, what, what their needs are in addition here. Cause again, there has to be a balance. Like how can we honor this person and the community at the same time? And it's, it takes a lot. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's why the, your advice about get involved with those who are already helping, like you don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to invent the wheel. You don't have to just be frustrated. There are resources available and organizations who have done the work, who have done the research, who do have the outreach available for you in order to make that difference and really ring it out of your energy as much as you want. So join us in the final segment as we talk a little bit more about Grant's amazing efforts, what you can do in this quest to help homeless people and what you can do to join us for the TEDx event coming in just a couple of weeks. This episode of the Infinite Energy Podcast is brought to you by PBS Reno and TEDx Reno. Um, talk about a dream come true. It is amazing to have these two sponsors for the Infinite Energy Podcast. We are so thrilled to be getting to do some special edition interviews with current TEDx speakers and TEDx alumni. If you are in the Northern Nevada area, please do your best to come to the TEDx event. You can either join it live at the National Automobile Museum or come to the watch party at PBS Reno that Kay and I are hosting. We are so excited for the upcoming event on February 4th. And maybe you're listening to the recording and that time has already passed. You can go watch those speeches on YouTube now. Make sure you get in on all things TEDxReno at TEDxReno.org. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions all righty family we are back with the infinite energy podcast with kay and shy and grant denton today the reno nevada tedx alumni speaker we're so glad that you've joined us you've talked a lot about the efforts that you're doing currently you've talked about a little bit of the experience of giving a tedx talk but you haven't talked quite a, a lot about maybe how you found yourself so passionate to begin with were you ever homeless, Grant? <laughs> That's inappropriate. Have you ever been homeless before? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. It was great. Uh, so yeah, I have been uh, homeless before and uh, addicted to, to drugs. I was on heroin and meth. I was an addict. And of course, when you're doing these things, uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and, um, and depression. And, and then you, you know, of course, I should be depressed. My life is depressing. My life really sucked. And I, and, um, but, but eventually I, I was, I, I worked my way out of it. And my way is, was just my way, right? You can't, a lot of people, uh, with lived experience, people with lived experience, they would be called subject matter experts, right? But, um, and I am, but just I'm a subject matter expert of my homelessness and my addiction. And what makes us good is being able to help you know, other people, right. Other people have their own situations, why they're in homelessness, why they're in addiction. And I, and that's, that's interesting. Like that's, this is why I'm passionate about it is because as, as long as you have a problem to solve, you'll always have a purpose, do you know? And I, um, and it's, and I believe that like, that's it, right. As long as we can keep learning and solving problems, then, then, then I, then I have a purpose and I'm, and I'm very purpose driven. I think that, uh, you know, that's, with as far as humans and you, this is, we see this on the streets, right? Is in, in order to evolve, you have to have a certain amount of problems to solve, 
right? Your alarm clock goes off. You're like, should I push snooze or should I not? And then when you, when you wake up, then you're, you know, what, how much cream should I put in my coffee and all the things all the way throughout your day and you're solving problems throughout the day. And if, and the thing is, is that, and I, and I see it, right? That if people don't have enough problems to solve, they're going to create problems, you know, and this is just subconsciously, you'll create problems to solve to make you feel validated, you know? And so I, I, I think is, you know, that's my passion for what I'm doing. And so I think it should be anybody's passion, whatever you're doing, as long as your problem, problem solving, uh, then that's it. And I, yeah. I, what I love about this is that you gain the energy to tackle tasks by knowing that they're, that problems are the point of purpose, right? It's, it's almost like this energy of purpose, I think is so difficult for people to encapsulate, right? We think about uh, the Google search. If you were to go search into Google, I'm just curious for those of you who are not driving and listening to this, what is my, and I just wanna know what comes up for you because I bet you anything within the top three searches is what is my purpose. And what you just said, Grant, was so powerful because you said that your purpose is to solve the problems that come up in your life. And so if you are feeling like you have a lack of purpose, well, are you a human being Get with some, some problems? problems? Yeah. <laughs> because that might help you out, right? Yeah. So like just this idea of cultivating the energy of purpose through the solving of the problems in your life and using the existence of problems as a marker to know that you're on purpose is like really a cool reframe. It's really cool. Re like, right? Like your purpose is solving problems that you're passionate about. Like that's, that's your philosophy that you just brought forward. I mean, you were talking, I was getting goosebumps. That wasn't, I think you were talking directly to me just now. <laughs> Extremely helpful reframe on problems. Now you took us into the gutter nine years. You were homeless on and off in different stints. Take us to the highest height. What have you achieved? Where have you gone? Where are you going? What, what has this elevated you to this passion and purpose through solving problems? Um, well, my number one achievement was a TEDx Reno. Join us for the next round of the National Automobile Museum. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Um, so I, I, I've been able to uh, have like create my my own nonprofit that's driven by what we learn and what we see. Right. And, and what we're seeing on the streets in real time, we're driven by mistakes, which is brilliant. Right. I've, when we opened this safe camp, you know, we had an idea. Like if you close your eyes and visualize a perfect circle, you can see a perfect circle. But if you grab a sharpie and try to draw one real quick you're probably going to mess it up the idea is that we know that we're not always going to get a perfect circle and we're okay with 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 what we draw but um and and so when we for example when we started this save camp i haven't had an idea with with washoe county i had an idea of you know how it would play out and it didn't play out that way and we did homework from other safe camps we learned what not to do but when you start working with the people in real time and you write the rules and things change so i've had the luxury to be able to like stick to the mission Right, you know, write them as we go, shift things, change stuff. We've, I mean, we've dealt with some really difficult individuals. And the idea is that you don't write a program around the ideal person. You write a program around the most difficult person. And then everything comes after that. And we were able to do that. And we were able to, and like, so I'm, what I, my achievement is that, is that I think that I've been able to, have uh, the freedom to be able to write, help write and create programs that can work, 
right? That's the gig. And we stick to the mission, right? We're really mission-minded and we're able to like grow a staff, right? A lot of times when it comes to, we're lear learning too about our people, right? A lot of times when you're working with the homeless and addicted population in, a, in the context of their living, a lot of your staff are two checks away from being a client. So how do we grow our staff, right? And another thing we're learning is that there's a huge turnover rate from, from burnout. So how do we train our folks to know what they're getting themselves into to be able, and then how do we create self-care program where people don't burn out? And then how do you create a gig where there's not large turnover? It takes, and we've learned about two to six months, maybe longer for someone to tell you the truth. That's it. And it's not because we're bad people. It's because we're guarded, right? And if you know about me, I'm a mark and you can burn me and I'm vulnerable and I'm weak. So to stay strong, I'll tell you a story. And a lot of times we're working with somebody's story and not who they really are. And so in order to be able to really work with folks, we have to have staying power. We have to build trust and rapport. And, um, and, and, and we get to do that. We're starting to like create trainings for folks and starting to identify what real problems are and you know and i have the luxury to eat sleep and bleed this stuff do you know let me back up maybe not so much sleep because if you're not losing sleep you don't think you really love what you do right <laughs> you better be losing some sleep now you're solving problems do you know and so that's and where i want to be is i want to create a model and we're doing it right we're creating a model that has different avenues for different folks and that it holds space for people to fail, right? You know, if you didn't allow a baby to fall while they're learning how to walk, you'd have problems, you know? You got to cushion a butt, let a baby fall, nudge them on, nudge them on. And we have to set up the same gig for folks because we're growing people, you know? And so that's my goal is to be able to create a, a system, a model that's scalable, that we can, that we can put out that starts with prevention, intervention, treatment and recovery. And it doesn't have to be linear, but it, you can zigzag through it based on, you know, whatever your abilities are, but we don't know your abilities unless we don't know who the you are. So you know your people, you know, and get other people to be bought into it. I think folks that work with a homeless and addicted population need to be uh, regarded almost like first responders. You know, we're the ones that call the cops. We're the ones that call the ambulances, do you know? So they, we, this job needs to be taken seriously. We need to take our job seriously. Do you know? Not that we don't, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's important work what you're doing. Yes. So just to end this out here, obviously, for those of you who are listening, for those of you who are watching, you can tell that Grant has an incredible amount of energy. So leave us out, Grant. How do you cultivate energy in yourself? Fear. You have to be afraid of something and always move towards it, right? What's, what's scarier than know that something's coming for you? What's going to give you more energy? If you're walking, watch, if you, if, if, uh, if you're walking down an alley, <laughs> just randomly, just an alley, but if you're in an alley, right? And, and, and somebody's coming at you with a knife, right? You're not going to just stand there. You're going to 
fucking fight, whether you get cut, whether someone gets hurt and you're going to fucking go and you got to have that kind of energy and not that, that like you should, I'm saying like you should create, you should have something in your scope that's, a, that you're afraid of and move the towards it. Do you know? Cause I think about that. I'm like, and I tell guys that I work with, I'm like, if you're in a room right now and this house is burning down and your only way out is through that door, you're going to get burnt. You're going to get scarred up. But are you, are you going to sit here and fucking burn? Or are you going to fight your way out of this shit? And you will, you'll, most people will, you just gotta be, there's gotta be something that you're afraid of and you have to work towards it. And, and I think you're not, you, you're not, you're not coming for me. You're not going to get me that easy. I fight, you know, and I think it's important that you have fight in you and you, and you have something that scares you. Do you know, you have a goal that scares the shit out of you and go. That is so awesome. I yeah. love that advice, yeah. right? <laughs> if, if don't, I think what the, what the beauty is that you're saying is don't wait till the house is on fire, right? Like have that energy and motivation even without your life crumbling around you before you take nah. that action, that step, that step up to, to do it and to live. And I just think that is so beautiful. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. A healthy fear. <laughs> thank you to everyone for joining us for the special edition of the Infinite Energy Podcast brought to you by PBS Reno and TEDx Reno. There's still time to get your tickets, so be sure to join us either at the live event at the National Automobile Museum or at the PBS Watch Party hosted by Shyla and I. We have so enjoyed Grant getting to spend this time with you today, and thank you to our listeners and watchers family. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, everybody. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.